Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. A Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. You know, if this were a fashion podcast, I would tell you all about how Ellen accidentally bought me this really cool blazer. Uh, I, I saw the blazer. I saw it on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. So she was. Uh, she went to Joanne Fabric the other day to get some stuff for. Uh, she's doing some sewing projects, which are really cool. She bought a bunch of uh, bulk fabric that has this really, uh, well, to me, really funny story because it just feels like a very kind of classic mix-up comedy sort of thing, uh, where she knew she wanted to do this this coat project and she knew she wanted to do these pants and specifically for the pants. She needed a five-inch zipper. Okay. Um, and she's like, well, I've got a bunch of seven-inch zippers. I don't need that. I need a five-inch zipper. So she ordered some, some fabric and materials and whatnot and accidentally ordered herself another seven-inch zipper. <laughs> so she had to go get that, among other things. So that's why she was out. But in the middle of my work day, while she's doing the shopping, I, I start getting these text messages like, oh, what do you think about this? Like this poncho that has a matching puppy one for Penelope. I was like, that's adorable, but no thank you. And then yeah. I get a, another message later. What about this like soft velour sweater? And I was like, no thank you. Please <laughs> please don't buy me any clothes. Uh, they like, it, if this is what you're finding wherever you are, then I'm not interested. <laughs> this is not uh, the store for me. <laughs> and mind you, she, she apparently found a handful of other things that Probably would have been pretty interesting. And if she'd led with that, it might have been a different conversation. But she she led with the two things that I was least interested in. <laughs> uh, and so she gets home and she's like, so I got this blazer. And she puts it on and it was really oversized on her, which is like sometimes a thing that she goes for. So I was like, oh, okay, whatever. She's like, do you want to try it on? It might fit you. I was like, sure, I guess. Like, there's no way. And I started to put it on. I'm like, nah, it's definitely going to be too small. And like, as I was putting my arms in the sleeves, I could feel like, oh, this is, this is too small. It's not going to work. Yeah. But then I slipped it fully on. And as soon as it was on, I was like, this is perfect. This is a nice <laughs> hug, a nice <laughs> hug from a blazer. Uh, but this isn't a fashion podcast, so I'm not going to tell you about that blazer. <laughs> no, th this is not a fashion podcast uh, at all. Um, you know, I mean, if it, if it were a fashion podcast and related to uh, the the movie of of the day oh. of the week, 
uh i uh I, this is a this is a, a genre like an era mm-hmm. like the shakespearean era of of uh what, what what was the era i did they call it the shakespearean era like do they call oh. it not did they back then nobody gave a shit about william shakespeare back then but now like what what is the era like is it elizabethan is it because it's not medieval it's after medieval shakespeare lived in the elizabethan era so we did live in the elizabethan area okay yeah so uh this is an era of of fashion that always catches me off guard because I always forget that connected sleeves didn't used to be a thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, well. I mean, this also is is the the or origination of the term fop. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, a a you know, or dandy, and all those words were you know words of. Uh, you know, and then in the early 2000s, it was a metrosexual, oh, yes. uh, but it's all really the same sort of ideas, just a, 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 uh, you know, a person who identifies as male who dresses very nice and fancy and of the fashion at all times. And, you know, you know takes and, care and of himself and engages takes in care, personal yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Because like, you know, because like fops and, and dandies, you know, were known for wearing makeup, but as were a lot of other. I mean, it wasn't very uncommon for, for uh, makeup was originally designed for men to huh? begin with. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It was, well, it was designed for, for lords and uh, to not look as uh, as sick with syphilis as they actually were, it's just, um, it's just horribly ugly and diseased. As right. Them. I mean, they were just they were just everybody was like skin dripping off of their bodies back then <laughs> until like at least the 1900s. It not was pretty entirely terrible. sure that's true, but also, no, it's not. But I'm also not convinced it's not. <laughs> right. Right. Well, the thing is, is like it's like it's one of those things where I feel like a historian would be like, well. Okay, it's it's not not true, but that's not exactly you know like like I can see Hank Green being like, ah, uh, this isn't exactly <laughs> like yes, but no, you know. <laughs> um, I haven't I haven't seen more than just like the introduction to like the concept, but apparently the uh, the Green Brothers started a, a new show where they they interact together rather than just like I've seen like Hank do show and I've seen John talk about literature and stuff like that. But apparently they get together and just talk about random facts. Uh, and I, which is awesome. I I forget what it's called now. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's a useless fact that I thought I had more information about until I started talking. (laughs) That, I mean, no, that's actually great. But, but the other thing that they actually just recently launched, which is really, really cool. Aside from, they have a sock company, like a, like a subscription socks are awesome sock company or something. Yeah. Um, this is not a sponsored stream for anything that Hank or John Green do. No, but it could be, it could be Hank, John, Uh, get at us. Let's go. Uh, so they actually just launched, uh, Hank and John Green just launched a program that allowed people to earn college credit with YouTube courses. What? So there's this there's this program uh, called Study Hall. They literally just announced this, and it, it uh, um, it's a program that's a partnership with Arizona State University and YouTube, where basically you like pick a subject, and like it's super duper cheap. Like we're talking cheaper than like lynda.com from my understanding. Hmm. And you watch these YouTube videos, you basically watch these seminars on YouTube, and while you do it, you can earn actual college credits oh. towards a specific major. So you can, you know, watch one on like, you know, IT or something like that, and that'll earn you college credits. So when you go to apply to college, and they're transferable to most colleges, so you can be like, oh, I already took five credits in this course. All right, so here's what you do, people. 
you get uh, you, you get onto this, uh, this Hank John Green YouTube college credit thing. You get enough credits to get three years out of out of four years for a bachelor's, or you know, you know, maybe you get started towards your master's or whatever. Once you basically have one year left of school, then you go check out this. Th- I'm not going to share the link. I don't know what it is. I saw a thing on on Instagram, and so I checked it out, and apparently it is real. Uh, Ireland is offering. Uh, this scholarship program for like a year's worth of free school and like a 10,000 uh, 10, euro stipend and whatnot. Uh, it's apparently only for a year. So you're not just going to like pick up, move there and go do your bachelor's, but you can complete one there. Uh, so you get, you know, get almost all the way there with your YouTube credit. Then you go finish out in Ireland for free. Uh, it seems like a can't lose scenario by which I mean, uh, probably a thousand things could go wrong. <laughs> this, there is so many things <laughs> so like this is a brilliant idea we don't know any of the logistics. They're probably all wrong. But why aren't you doing it right now? That this, is where we're at in this this plan. This is probably the worst advice I've given all week. <laughs> yeah. So I just I just read up a little more as as you know as you were talking about this. But so Study Hall provides free access to four you'd free access to four YouTube courses that cover subjects that are typically taken during early college years. Available courses are English composition, college math, U.S. history, and human communication. Mm. Which uh, I you know human communication seems like that uh, should be one that you don't, but you, that you shouldn't have to take that. That's like. <laughs> You know, kids in English being like, but I speak English. Why do I got to take English class? You know, and then they spell every word wrong. And it's like, well, you know, that's probably why. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no human communication. It would be nice to be able to assume that people just know how to communicate. But at this point in our lives, I think we we know that uh, some some special instruction is, is often required. Uh, but it's good to know that it's only like four classes. So like you're getting some of the basics out of the way, like some of the... But why do I have to take this uh, so that you can get right into your major? Uh, so yeah. essentially, our our plan that we just recommended to you is completely bogus, uh, and that's why you should not listen to us for life advice, only for film critique. Yes, <laughs> because that is all we're really good for. But this program seems really cool. Study hall, go check it out on YouTube. Uh, I think at the end of the day, it's like four hundred and twenty-five dollars, and you get a full credit towards the course. You basically can complete the course in one go. And so it's a great way to kind of like get your stupid classes done, you know, year one. Like this would be a great thing for a senior to do during their senior year. Yeah. Like do that during your senior year of high school. And then that way, when you get to college, you could just do only your major courses and not have to worry about like, you know, filling up high school level courses all over again. Which is definitely uh, in hindsight, in my personal opinion, a much better approach than what I did was to completely burn myself out by taking actual like like genuinely hard college level classes uh, for both AP and college credit in my senior year and making it so that I was barely able to function my freshman year of of college. Uh, so yeah, I definitely, I would recommend taking an online YouTube, like basic college math seminar over, uh, taking AP calculus and struggling to get just the bare minimum passing grade to get credit. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, of course the other, uh, the other option is, uh, you and your lover could poison themselves. (laughs) And that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, And I'm, uh, oh man, I had something for this.
I don't know. And now you don't. It's Something, gone now. The, the sun and the moon and the stars. And I'm <laughs> Sabrina. It's fine. <laughs> it dust. It dust has left your brain. I had so, something, but like, I, so I have the the IMDb page open for this film, and where they do like the trailer and stuff like that, and you know how it will just periodically cycle through just, the most yeah. random shit sometimes. Uh, so it's showing me content related to uh, the movie, and then like other films that people who are in the movie are connected to, and for some reason it started showing me a trailer for I think it was called songbird it was one of those like oh, uh, those, pandemic uh, COVID, virus yeah. films and i'm just like oh no no honey what what are you doing to me right <laughs> no, now this no, is this is no. not okay <laughs> yeah yeah so uh you know we decided for february that we we're going to do unconventional love stories mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh you're probably thinking wait a minute rosalind is the movie that you know is kind of like this the other point of view for romeo and juliet which is the most traditional love story of all time and you're right uh -huh. so we figured why not kick it off with the most traditional love story ever written probably one of the first love stories like you know love tragic comedy uh stories ever written certainly one of the uh, most from, famous in the english language I, I would say and then you know we do it uh, from rosalind's point of view let's we'll start right at the classic mm -hmm. and then we'll mm -hmm. move on to all the weird ones well i guess you know weird in quotes because they're not really it's just other point of views it's all about other point of views in love mm -hmm. this month mm -hmm. because it's february and that's uh that's how we do in, love is in, in the air Love is in the air, as well as snow in uh, most of the northern uh, countries. and pollen and COVID. Yeah. And I don't know, probably cordyceps too, because why wouldn't that, like, not actually based in factual reality things suddenly become real and be a nightmare scenario? Yes, I, you know, I started watching that, The Last of Us recently. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I was like, wait a minute, I know, I know this game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so we're talking about the uh, 2022 film uh, Rosalind, which is available, is actually a Hulu original, is available uh -huh. streaming on Hulu. Um, this this actually has a really interesting cast. So, you know, Rosalind is played by Caitlin Dever, um, who I recognize from Booksmart. Yep. Um, which is, she was great in that. She plays Amy in that. Um, you know, great movie. Uh, really fun. And then next up's for Juliet. And I actually did, we were just talking about this movie. We really were. Yeah, Juliet is played by uh, 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 Isabella Merced, who uh, was in uh, Dora. She was the the live action Dora in the movie, which is hilarious, yes. by the way. It is such a hilarious movie. Uh, it's very underrated. Um, and then we have uh, Sean Teal, who uh, is another one I recognize from The Gifted. I loved that show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Same. Uh, very, very, very good show. Uh, who He plays Dario. And then uh, our very own Romeo, uh, Kyle Allen, uh, who um, I did not recognize from anything, but know that he is in uh, the new West Side Story and um, uh, the map of our, uh, uh, the map of Tiny Perfect Things. I am incredibly intrigued although i can't necessarily say interested in uh his other most recent film the greatest beer run ever uh which is one of the <laughs> sure, weirdest sure. uh wartime stories i've ever heard of uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah so fun fact about about this this is one of the few times where you proposed a film for us to to watch uh for a theme month or whatever uh and i had already seen this and this was one of yeah. the, like one of our like ellen's and my random like night in movie night films like she put it on one day she's like we should watch this and i was like yeah we should this looks really funny uh we watched it we loved it i, I remember telling you about it and then 
several months passed. You're like, we're going to do unconventional love stories. We're going to start with Rosalind. I was like, hey, I know that one. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I know that one. Well, so technically we were not going to start with Rosalind. We oh, were going to start with a movie um, called Looking for Her, mm-hmm. which was actually, a, a was, it looked like a really cute uh, romantic comedy where the plot of it was um, a woman is finally bringing home her girlfriend uh, home for Christmas. However, her and her girlfriend have broken up, but mm. her parents don't know that. So she interviews actors to pretend to be her girlfriend to bring home. And then she, you know, of course, she accidentally falls in love with the actor, which is funny because that's also the exact same plot of a hetero rom-com uh, called The Wedding Date, which uh, stars uh, Deborah Messing. Um, I also think it's hilarious because it's the almost exact opposite premise as Happiest Season. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like almost the same. Yeah, it's like I need to bring a girlfriend home and the other one's like I don't, I can't bring my girlfriend home. So yeah, it's just the exact uh, opposite. But it's a cute little rom-com. So so Rosalind was directed by Karen Main, um, who, you know, has got a little bit of a starting, uh, I would say, I mean, this is a this is a big, big one for her, but this mm-hmm. was a, she's got a little bit of a start of an indie career here. Um, she's got two films, one of, I mean, both of which I think we could probably cover at some point. Um, but one of which stars Jenny Slate, oh, and yeah. that movie is called Obvious Child. Yep. Uh, and then the other one, uh, which stars, um, uh, what's her Dyer? name? Na- yeah, Natalie Dyer. Dyer. Uh, yeah, uh, Natalie, Natalie, Natalia. Uh, sure. I'm gonna double check. Yeah, I think it's Natalia. Natalie. Natalia. Natalia, yeah. Natalia Dyer, who uh, is Nancy from Stranger Things. Yeah. Uh, but she directed her in a movie called Yes God Yes, um, <laughs> which uh, looks which, hilarious. Yes, which which looks good, and there's uh, there was a, a very specific scene that kind of floated around the internet a bit uh, because it was Nancy, and the scene floated around. Everyone was like, "Oh my god, like that's Nancy! Yeah, what is she doing?" <laughs> um, uh, but so so those are two other movies that she directed, um, and then now she gets the chance to direct this Hulu original, uh, Rosalind, um, which awesome. yeah, which I mean, if I had to say this, probably I don't know if it says it. I don't see it. Um, this probably had a really decent budget just by based on costuming and uh, like uh, locations alone. Uh, I can't imagine that this movie was made for anything under like fifteen to twenty million. It definitely feels like yeah, like resources were put into this. It's not like overly like a spectacle, but everything just feels so like well thought out and like in its place. Like you have this, this really fascinating reproduction of like Elizabethan era Italy, uh, in which, you know, the story is set, uh, and the costumes feel accurate. The, like the, the, the streets of Verona feel accurate, like everything feels right. Uh, and then of course you have a mix of somewhat like period appropriate Shakespearean, uh, language and very anachronistic modern slang and music and stuff like that. And I love that. It's a very quirky. It's very like, uh, the, the, the pacing feels really, really right. Uh, just really good storytelling. And it's, it's fun to see something like this come from a like relatively, we'll say quote unquote unknown, director yeah i I agree you know uh, this is you know when when we had our uh several conversations about willow this is a really great example of using anachronistic uh you know not only speech but also music uh properly let's say um they did it in a really great creative way Mm -hmm. and actually it's actually very funny because the opening scene of the movie is romeo uh you know under the balcony and yep. and you know saying lines from romeo and juliet you know you you are the st- you are the sun and the moon and you know the whole deal like really laying into it 
and it's to Rosalind. It's not to Juliet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's he's professing his love and being all poetic and saying the direct lines from from, you know, Shakespeare. And she goes, she goes, oh, yes. Wait, why are you talking like that? He's like, I, I don't know. I thought it'd be poetic and romantic. And she's like, okay, yeah, no, keep going, keep going. Um, <laughs> it's just very funny. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed that. I was like, good, I, I like that. So that brings me to one of my favorite parts of this rewatching of the film for me and like my personal experience with it uh, is I did what you, you know we always talk about like you you when you watch a film uh, prepper, uh, pre preparing, uh, preparing pre prepping to record. <laughs> preparing to record and talk about it uh you dig through the the goofs and the trivia and like all of the details and information and factoids about the film uh since i had already seen it i allowed myself to be a bit distracted and do that and my absolute favorite thing was okay so this is a a retelling a reimagining of the romeo and juliet story it is, well, that was entirely fictional to begin with, right? We accept that right. Romeo and Juliet weren't necessarily real people with a real tragic teenage, like, double suicide love story. Uh, right, this right. Was... Unlike Arthurian legends, I know this is not up for debate. <laughs> yes. This is definitely a not real thing. Okay. Uh, so someone actually sat through this film and said, you know what I need to do immediately is go on IMDb and report under the category of factual errors... <clears throat> and I quote, the plot of this film, which is a, quote, retelling of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, is built on the premise that Rosalind was dumped by Romeo and she wants him back. This is not the case in the source material. In Shakespeare's play, it is Rosalind who rejects Romeo as she does not reciprocate his love and has instead taken a vow of chastity, act one, scene one, end quote. This motherfucker went on the internet to say that this goofy-ass parody reimagining of an already fictional story had factual errors. And I love it. <laughs> imagine imagine um actualing about Shakespeare. <laughs> I mean, uh, I know, like, yeah, probably, but like, it's just very funny to be like, mm -hmm, actually, you see. But spoilers, as we're wont to do for the the end of the film, that's like someone be like, mm, actually, Romeo and Juliet were supposed to die. <laughs> yeah, which which was very interesting because uh, you know it, it you know the movie started and I kind of forgot about that like ending uh -huh. and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, Romeo and Juliet are gonna run away together and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, obviously. Obviously, you know, she's going to fall in love with Dario. And then like halfway through the movie, I was like, oh, wait, this ends poorly for half of the cast. I was like, oh, how are they going to do this? This is going to be really interesting. So and I think they did it really so many. Yeah. I mean, the, it, literally like Romeo and Juliet, like Romeo specifically goes on like a murder spree before he ends up like, you know, murder suiciding, uh, you know, himself. And uh, I, you know, I think it's very I was like, this is going to be interesting. I'm very curious to see how they actually end this. It, spoiler, it doesn't end the same, mostly the same way. <laughs> Romeo does straight up kill Tybalt still. Yeah. Uh, he still does straight up murder somebody, so there's that. And we can uh, assume that Mercu Mercutio still dies as well, as he's being yeah. corded off with a, a mortal wound on a stretcher. Right. <laughs> and you so, will find him a grave, man. I That is, honestly, <laughs> if I have a single complaint about this film, is that they omitted his... Uh, you'll find me a grave man because honestly, that's one of Shakespeare's best jokes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of this. Like, this is another one of those movies where you have to be okay with the anachronism, with yeah. the anachronism, specifically because this is a, this is the, the most, uh, you know, uh, the, I would always say arguably Shakespeare's most popular works. 
Um, and there is not a lot of quotes. You know, the plot happens generally, you know, in the background, like the Romeo and Juliet plot kind of happens in the background yeah. of the rest of this movie. Yeah. But there aren't a lot of Shakespearean quotes. He, you know, they jokingly do it in the in the beginning. Mm-hmm. There's a couple here and there, you know, when when uh, Montague and, and um, uh, Capulet are like yelling at each other after Tybalt dies. Some of that is from Romeo and Juliet, but really there is not a lot. But I will say, uh, you know, is that in watching this and specifically in watching Romeo, I miss young Heath Ledger. Oh, yeah. You know because, what? Fuck. I I spent the entire time trying to think of, like, who is Kyle Allen remind me in the, of in this performance? And my brain just wouldn't let me get there because, yeah. like, R.I.P. to a, a fucking legend. I, you know, A Knight's Tale, which is, you know, I would say arguably around the same time, you know, like, as this movie um, uh, in terms of the world, I love that movie so much. There's so much about A Knight's Tale that is just such a great, great film. Uh, the cast is perfect. The, yeah. the the anachronisms are perfect. Uh, you know, like it really flows. Um, and it just it's just a really good story. Um, and it, but it makes me miss. I mean, obviously he wouldn't be able to play the Romeo part no. today if he were still alive. I mean, he, he's well into his, he would have been well into his forties at this point or fifties, I would say. I got to imagine though that like somebody. At least one person in the casting, costuming, filming, makeup, like someone involved in this film saw the like deep resemblance with with Kyle Allen with his hair grown out and flowy and curly and his facial structure and his smoldering, brooding expressions and his delivery of lines. Like a lot, like I'm not going to say it's a straight up like copy or rip off of, of Heath, uh, <clears throat> or even necessarily that it's a performance that achieves that heights, although like it's done really well. Uh, but like somebody had to notice that like, this feels like Heath. Uh, and yeah, like, I hope it was intentional. If it wasn't like Bravo for accidentally stumbling into something really great. <laughs> I, I almost feel like it, it, you know, just, just by like looking at him, I think it's one of those, like, it's just, he by chance looks like, you know, he has, I mean, you know, to be real, Romeo has all of maybe five lines this whole movie, right? Like yeah, Romeo really, and it's not his story. Right. And, and actually Juliet has more lines than Romeo, uh, in the story, in this version as well. Cause, uh, mm-hmm. Juliet directly interacts with Rosalind on several occasions. Uh, but really Rosalind is the main character of this. And as internet person pointed out, uh, yes, they are correct. In the beginning of Romeo and Juliet, Rosalind dumps Romeo, uh, uh, this, but this is in this scenario, um, she, he leaves her for, uh, he ghosts her for Juliet. And that's like, that's the thing I think I love the most about this film is that it takes a character who is basically just a passing reference in the original story, uh, and gives her an interesting, like, like actual fleshed out tale of her own, uh, that, while yes, is at odds with Shakespeare's original writing, sure, internet person, you are technically correct, uh, is more interesting for her character, uh, which I think is completely fair with someone who is basically written as a throwaway couple of lines to like set up the story of Romeo in the original. Uh, you know, Rosalind, Rosalind was a, an individual, a unique and special person with her own story to tell. Right. I, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of what this, this is about. Like this is, this is taking that sort of minor character and being like, 
Well, yeah, but what were they doing this whole time? You uh-huh. know, I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's not it's stemmed off of an infactual, infactual, <laughs> whatever that means for a, a story uh, way. But I I think it's really interesting. I think the premise of this is really interesting. And to be to be honest, I would love to see more movies that that does this. Like, you know. I would want to see a movie where like somebody is visiting Philadelphia, you know, for the one time and like Rocky runs by them yeah. like up the stairs and starts yelling and this person's like, what is this guy doing? What yeah. is, what is happening right now? You know, <laughs> or like the scene where he's running around with all the kids and stuff like that. And you know, one of the kids being like, Oh, I got to see Rocky. And then what does the rest of their day look like? Like what did, what did those background characters look like and do while the main plot is happening? You know? Yeah. <clears throat> The first example that I thought of would have been a lot better if people hadn't speculated for years that uh, it was actually uh, Chris Pratt's character uh, in Jurassic World. Uh, but I was going to say, I want to see Jurassic Park from the perspective of the kid that Grant terrifies. Yeah, right? Like he goes home like crying to his parents and being like, this guy's trying to, trying to cut my guts open with a fossil, you know? Or like- uh, I, I, do, I do actually like that theory, though, that it, it turns out to be Chris Pratt. But at the same time, I don't, I wish either I wish they went all in on it. Like it wasn't like an Easter egg thing. I either wish they went all in and he was like, oh, we met once actually, you know, like I wish that would have happened. I'm and I'm glad sure. that it was fake. So. Yeah. I was saying, I'm pretty sure that the, the, the creators essentially disavowed that one entirely. They're like, yeah, they're like, no, that's, that's not true. Um, or like, you know, give me an, an entire story about the fucking, the, the, um, Game War, not 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 uh, not Muldoon, but the actual like uh, the vet. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but the one that Ellie hangs out with uh, with the the sick Triceratops. Give me that guy's story. Oh like, right, what's like he up to what was he doing before everybody showed up and and Jurassic Park to the place? Yeah, there was a time in my life where I would have even hesitated to give you that guy's full name as well as any available backstory that was written about him because that's how into the I was. But at this point in my life, there's just no more room left in my brain for those kinds of things. It, it got booted out by now. Yeah. Uh, so so the story of Rosalind is you know Rosalind finds out that you know Rosalind and, and Romeo are are have this underground affair. Meanwhile, she is trying to be set up for an arranged marriage. She is past the marrying age. Um, and her father is desperately trying to marry her off as as was common back then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you know, she's she's has this secret love affair with Romeo. And then one day he just straight up ghosts her. and you know, he she follows him and learns that he is uh, actually, you know, loving on uh, you know, saying the same quotes and lines to her as uh, as he as he did to Rosalind. And uh, it turns out that it's her cousin Juliet. Uh, that he is doing this to. And so, you know, she's got this whole like competition thing with Juliet. And yes, this treads common water, you know, with the like two women fighting over the same guy type thing. And it it, it, like almost on the verge of like, like anti-feminist thing. But I think it goes in a really decent direction Mm -hmm. um, when, you know, it becomes a, like a fine, like, fine, I will help you. And I'm not doing it because of whatever, like I'm doing it because it's, you know, it's the right thing to do. And, you know, maybe, maybe this is the way it should be. And then it ends up, you know, of course, as we know, Romeo and Juliet ends up, you know, the fake poisoning, fall asleep, you know, thing. And, you know, it's funny to see Rosalind in that mix being like, are you kidding me right now? Like this, (laughs) she even says, which was one of the funniest lines in the movie is, 
you know, Juliet explains like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this poison and everyone's going to think I'm dead. And then Romeo's going to do the same thing and everyone's going to think we're dead. Then we're going to run away. And Rosalind just goes, that is the stupidest fucking idea I've ever heard. And it's the only <laughs> F-bomb in the movie. And I think it was absolutely brilliant because she was like, there's like 50 things that could go wrong with it. She, so I just think it's brilliant. several of them off to which Ellen, without missing a beat, is like, see, there are times when anxiety comes in handy. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. And she even says like, what if Romeo comes and sees you and he offs himself? Like she even says what actually happens uh, in the story, which uh-huh. I think is very funny. Uh-huh. Um, is great. You know, uh, there's, so there is a lot to this. Like I like, you know, when it starts off, you know, uh, where, where she meets this, we, we meet Dario, uh, who is, uh, another one that her father, that Rosalind's father has tried to connect, uh, tried to arrange marriage, uh, Rosalind with, mm-hmm. um, and as you said, uh, Dario is played by Sean Teal. Um, and he's, you know, g- tall, dark, and handsome, right? Like he he's, is, he's a very he good looking man. Dashing. And, he is very dashing. He is quite the the dashing individual. And he's, of course, a lot different than all of the other suitors that have come across. Like, you know, we see one where she's with another suitor and he's this old guy, you know, he's been married three times and all his, you know, his past wives are dead. And of course, you know, Rosalind does the funny thing where she's like, oh, well, of course, my father told you that wherever I go, Josephine goes. Yes. And the guy's like, oh, who's Josephine? And she's like, well, she's right here. And of course, um, motions to an empty chair and then starts talking <laughs> uh, to the the imaginary friend. And, you know, that was a good way to drive him away. Starts yelling um, at the imaginary friend, which was my favorite part. <laughs> it was it was a very funny scene. And I was like, yes, this is, this is great. This is exactly what I expect of of Rosalind uh, is this uh, sort of scenario of mm-hmm. her yelling at, you know, doing whatever she can to get out of these arranged marriages. And, you know, again, as I mentioned, like it does tread on very common water of like the, you know, I'm my own woman and I want to marry who I want to marry, you know, which yes, that is, that is the right answer. Like the, it is right, but it's become a trope now in yeah. these sort of stories where it's the the defiant girl and the father who eventually is like, you're right, I love you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. We we know the story, you know? We get um, it. It's right, but it's right, right? Like, it's the right thing. Like, the, the girl is, you know, the, the, the female character and this is always right. Yes. But it's still like, it's, yeah. It's the way that it's played. It's It's played as a trope rather than just being like, no, she's, She's right. Like, and I think that's right. that's where it, it gets weird is uh not that they do it, but like how they do it. Uh and of course we have the uh, a bit of the like enemies to lovers thing where like she starts out like just immediately she she rejects any notion of Dario. In fact, like before she meets him, we hear her yelling through the door, like, I would rather eat rotten goat innards and like you <laughs> like you'll never catch me alive, sort of shit. And he's just sitting outside the door, like <sighs> Okay, this is what right. I'm getting into. Yeah, uh, and there's a bit of the like, a, a little bit of that that arranged marriage era, like, well, like you you could do worse than me, sort of thing, uh, right? And like she just should automatically fall in love with him because he's not the worst thing she's ever seen. Uh, but it turns out he actually is a very charming person. They do actually. They uh, they have a, a bad time at first. He takes her out on a, on his boat. She's worried about missing the uh, the masquerade ball, uh, which is her foolproof plan to be with Romeo in person because no one would possibly recognize a sworn enemy of the family in a like 
uh, a domino mask, basically. <laughs> like the fucking Clark Kent shit. But I mean, I, maybe they wouldn't, though, because the thing is, like, you know, we think of, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but like, you know, my face is all over the internet. Mm-hmm, and if mm-hmm. you're a friend of a friend, you're going to see my face, right? You're going to see it on Instagram, a Facebook post, you know, Twitter or whatever like that. You're going to see my face more often because I have a car. I'm out in public way more often. I'm not just at my house or at my farm. Sure. But back then, I, I'm i not. Like, my face is not everywhere. There's not a picture of me. There's not videos of me. I'm not with you every single day because I'm off on my farm. Then maybe they wouldn't. I suppose you're right. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to admit it, but I suppose you're right. Uh, but still, I like, like the idea of anonymity, though. Like the idea that, like, you really could just show up and be like, oh, "I'm fucking John," and oh, they'll yeah. be like, "All right, hey John, what's up?" And then the next day, show up and be like, "No, my name's Fred," and they'll be like, "All right, Fred, I don't fucking know who you are." <laughs> I you am know? cousin, cousin Tim, Tim- Timothy. <laughs> They're like totes. All right, yeah. hi, hi, cousin Timothy. I haven't seen you in thirty years. Makes sense. Like it goes off of. Uh, so I was reading something recently about how uh, stories of rich people with like big, like drafty manor homes, like don't really do justice to like how important hospitality was at those times. That like people traveling long distances, like you were kind of expected. Like if you had room, you put them up, and so that would lead to a lot of times like wealthy people would just like travel and like show up at each other's homes or like random like entertainers and famous people and like would-be swindlers would just like show up and like make themselves at home in rich people's houses for weeks or months at a time and like <clears throat> there is the this notion that like there's just there's always people around and like, yeah, I mean, I guess that, that kind of makes sense that you could just show up and like invent an identity and like hang out at a rich person's mansion and like people would be too scared of like offending someone by not offering hospitality that they wouldn't notice. I, I think that's a practice that still should exist today. Like I should be able to go to Tom Hanks house and be like, yo. I'm, you know, fucking Michael, and I'm gonna come. I gotta stay here for for a couple of days. And, I traveled and Tom a long Hanks way, away. and I need a place to stay, buddy. I, I just need a place to stay for like three days, and you know, and, and Tom Hanks would be like, "Well, yeah, obviously, I don't want to be rude, and you know, you're of course probably from a very wealthy family uh-huh, uh, because uh-huh. you're clean, so that's obviously, <laughs> you know, uh, that's probably it. So yeah, come on in, and you know, help make make yourself at home. You're clean. You're you well know? dressed. You're wearing makeup. <laughs> you, Clearly, you come from a well-to-do family. <laughs> you you must be a a very well-known fop around these parts. I uh, you know I think it's uh, I think it's fine, and I th- I still think we should be doing that today. I think people would be less upset at poor at a uh, at a uh, rich people if they would just you know allow us to come and chill with them for and a just day or two, like constantly having parties like yeah. all the time, and that people could just show up to and like it would like. It's not an inconvenience. It's just an expectation. Yeah. Gatsby style party key, you yeah. know, parties all the time, just showing up and, you know, like get crazy, which, you know, speaking of which very unrelated, I still, even though it gets like really very mixed reviews, I still wanted to see Babylon. I think it looked really crazy. I keep hearing about it. And honestly, I know nothing about it other than like some people love it. Some people don't. And I haven't, I actually haven't put any effort into finding out what it's about or why it's controversial. <laughs> it's about silent era film stars having Hollywood parties. Oh, that sounds great. Sounds great. With like Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie and like, why would I not want to watch this movie? Yeah, that sounds fun. Maybe I'll yeah. watch it later. Uh, yeah. 
But back to Rosalind. Uh, she's, of course, upset about uh, you know, missing the, the masquerade ball. She wants to get to it so she can be with her love, uh, Romeo. But she's got to go out on this boat date. And she's apparently afraid of fish, which is a fantastic thing to, to just make up about her and, like, have a payoff later. They have, like, they it has a payoff. I love it. Um, but, of course, she's like, you know, like... What if we? What if we get lost? What if there's a storm? It's like, do you see any storm clouds? Well, no. So like, they get out on the boat, and of course, it immediately starts storming, and they're stranded. And she's like, I'm gonna row us back, and they get back too late. And Romeo has already met Juliet at the party, and so that part of the tale picks up as we all know and love it. I, which you know, this is great because this is another one of those like uh, set up meet cute moments for Dario and Rosalind. Uh, which is, you know, it, it's very standard in rom-coms. Uh, and this this sort of scene, I mean, this movie is very much written as a rom-com. In fact, I mean, like, I, I can think of like five other rom-com movies where this sort of scenario happens, where they're like, mm-hmm. the enemies turn lovers scenario, you know, the the Sundeer, you know, personality that's like, no, I hate you, I'm a fucking jerk. And then like a few minutes later, they're like, mm, well, fine, I'll just this once. And then, you know, they're making out in, in 30 minutes. Uh, and that's the story. This was their meet cute moment. You know, I can't stand you, but I will help you. Oh, now I love you. And now <laughs> I love you. Yeah. I mean, he's very charming, but he's not like obnoxiously. So, mm-hmm. which I did really like, cause he's not like, ha ha bling, you know, like he smiles and the teeth sparkle, yeah. you know, sort of thing. Like he was just very like, I don't know, man, I'll do whatever. And you know, you can kind of come along or not. I don't care. And then, you know, it's like, all right, well, it'd be cool if you came along and then be like, I can't live without you. You know, like you see the, the progression of that, uh, which is pretty interesting. So yeah. So it starts out like he thinks he's going to win her over. And then she's like super difficult. And he's just like, wow, you're kind of like, you're kind of mean. And then like, she keeps being mean. He's like, no, you're, you're really mean. I don't want to help you at all. And she's like, oh, but come on, please. And he's like, all right, fine. (laughs) <laughs> All right, fine. He refers to as a shrew. I don't know. Is that a, a you know a funny Easter egg because you know Shakespeare wrote Taming of the Shrew? I I like to think so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which you know we mentioned Heath Ledger, uh, another film that we both love that he's uh, famously was in Ten Things I Hate About You, which was a retelling of Taming of the Shrew. Which yes, fucking internet dude. Just in case you you need a reminder, that also wasn't a factual tale. <laughs> yeah, that that also did not actually happen. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep trying to find um, something that I dropped and I'm I'm not having any luck. It's gone forever. It it probably just, is. Yeah. It's fine. Like monsters, like uh the movie Mon- Little Monsters, where yes. it's just like it fell under the thing and it just fell into the dimensional rift and it's gone forever. There's definitely a dimensional rift under my desk. Did we cover little monsters? We didn't, did we? We didn't. No. No. Okay, I don't know if we, yeah, we probably won't, but I don't know. Maybe. For some reason, I thought, well, we did cover Little Monsters, but a different Little Monsters. Oh. The zombie one with, uh, oh, yeah, 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 with yeah. Lupita Nyongo. Which, yeah. Oh, that was a great film. That was a really good film. Yeah. 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 That was a really fun one. Uh, yeah. So, so, you know, of course, this is, this is the moment where Dario and Rosalind, you know, are together. She learns about Juliet. You know, Juliet, uh, you know, she she even, you know, meets Juliet and there's this running gag where every time they hug each other, uh, uh, Juliet's earring gets caught in Rosalind's hair, you know, and it happens, you know, like three times and later, you know, the last time she's like, I don't know why this keeps happening. (laughs) It's just very, very amusing. Um, It's really, really great. And uh, yeah, so, so, you know, finally she's like, listen, 
don't trust this Romeo guy. Like, oh, did he tell you you were the sun and moon? You know, like quotes all the things. She's like, ah, shit, yeah. And she's like, yeah, like, don't don't listen to that guy. Uh, but secretly, she still is uh, madly in love with, uh, with Romeo and uh, Rosalind finds out. Which honestly is the kind of one of the the more disappointing parts of this story, which I get it makes sense in the context and I'm not knocking it, but like you watch this and you want her to be like, no, listen, like he's being, he's being sleazy. Like these are things that he said to me, like, and like, and she, she says this to her nurse played by Minnie Driver, who is brilliant by the way. Yeah. Uh, um, she says three days ago. He was saying these things to me three days ago. And like now, like suddenly, like she's his sun and moon and all those things. And like, I, I wanted her to just say that out loud, but instead she's really cagey about it. It's like, oh no, we, we all know about Romeo Montague. He just, he says these things. And like, it's one of those things where like she creates the problem by not just admitting it. And like, she could showing the letters like she could have yeah. showed her the letters and stuff yeah she could have just said to juliet here and they're like no like romeo and i were secretly a dating these are all things that he said to me now he's saying them to you and you know quite honestly at this point in my life i want him back i don't i don't want this to be over but also i'm kind of pissed that this is happening uh and you know it's it's just really people the lesson you should take away from this is just be honest with your friends yeah, I mean, this is, you know, you're right, though. This is exactly another one of those movies where if they just explain exactly what's happening, it'll completely change the outcome of the plot, you know, instead of being cagey, instead of, you know, not saying things like her being like, yeah, it was, he was saying this to me. She would have been like, oh, well, fuck that guy. The end, you yep. know, like that's, that's how this movie should have been. It should have been a bonding moment between these, these cousins and everything would have been okay. But instead, because she wasn't completely honest, uh, it, it, you know, uh, just snowballs into this terrible, uh, occurrence is what, you know, of what we know happens yeah. in the Romeo and Juliet, uh, world. Yeah. Uh, a comedy of errors, you might say. <laughs> uh, I it's might a, say that. It's another That's... Shakespeare reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, so uh, you know, the story progresses exactly as Romeo and Juliet does, but we're seeing the, the it from Rosalind's perspective. You know, we have the big battle, uh, you know, the Montagues, the Capulets. Ah, how dare you, my family, we're, let's, we're to war, to war. And mm. then, you know, Juliet has this brilliant idea. I'm going to pretend to poison myself. You know, then I'm going to sneak away. Romeo and I are going to run off and and be, you know, lovers off on this, uh, you know, Cypress Island and, and be happy forever. What I do like, though, so the end of the movie, you know, they don't actually die. They do, in fact, fake their deaths and run away on Dario's boat, by mm -hmm, the way, which mm -hmm. is great. Um, and I think it's really great is because the post-credit scene of this movie or mid-credit scene is Romeo and Juliet sitting on the boat and them just being completely awkward with each other because they realized that like all they had was like this torrid, yeah. like passionate lust for each other, but there was nothing deeper than that. So the minute they get like alone together where it isn't like, oh, we're being, you know, uh, whatever, like, you know, clandestine or whatever, like it's now we're just together. And he's like, so what do you, you like uh, what do you like to eat? She's like, he's like, well, I like pizza. And he's like, ah, well, I'm lactose intolerant. So so can't have that, you know, and it's just, it's great because that is, that is like the theme of Romeo and Juliet is that uh -huh. it was this, they were just stupid 
and just like let their lust get the best of them and then they you know kill a bunch of people and then they go off and die uh, and like I, I think it's great because like rosalind is almost there when she like says to to anyone who will listen that like romeo and juliet they're they're too young they barely know each other like this isn't love it's this like this is passion and it's the drama and it's the the surreptitiousness of it all but like it's not true love and it won't last she just like she doesn't quite get to the point until until the very end she does get there but she doesn't most of the movie doesn't quite get to the point where like oh that was actually me too <laughs> yeah like there is that moment of like oh this is the lesson that i'm learning and now i'm learning it with with the rest of these people mm -hmm. yeah uh, and of course you know she has her moment she has her her kiss with uh dario oh. um you know she has her her redeeming moment with her father who breaks her out of prison because uh everyone thinks she accidentally killed juliet uh, you know, so like, and she has her moment where the father says a great line where, you know, she's like, you know, I'm sorry. I wasn't the, uh, the daughter you always wanted me to be. And he was like, no, you were always the daughter I wanted you to be like was, great, great line. It was very good. It was a very cute line. She, she breaks out of prison, goes and, and helps with that. It was, it was, it was a really cute. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so, you know, Rosalind is on Hulu. Uh, and, and, uh, so what do you think? Should people watch this movie? Uh, not only do I think that they should watch it, uh, I can't, uh, can't say you shouldn't watch it twice. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I this, uh, this was my first time watching this movie and it's super cute. I would, you know, if somebody was like, oh, what's a cute movie we could watch? I would be like, Rosalind, let's, let's watch Rosalind. It's a super cute movie. Yeah. You know, the costumes are great. Uh, there's a lot of really great lines. It's just a cute movie. Yeah. It is, it is visually really well done as we were talking about in the beginning. Uh, it is really well written. It is quirky. It is funny. It, uh, it really honors the spirit of Shakespearean style writing, like the the goofiness and like the, the like it doesn't dive all the way into the tragedy, but like skirts on the the tragedy of it, but leans more into the comedy of Shakespeare, which is honestly like he had some brilliant stuff. I you know I mentioned the the grave man thing. I I still laugh about that. Uh, <clears throat> But like, yeah, it's it's just it's a quirky, it's fun. It is a a fresh retelling of a very very familiar story. I mean, how many things have we talked about that were like just basically directly lifted from Romeo and Juliet? Whether it was, um, a you know the 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 vampire lesbian story uh, that we with a kiss I die with a kiss I die or like just. It was basically just a retelling in you know, modern settings of like like so much film and literature is influenced by or directly lifted from a lot of Shakespeare's stories that this is just a, a fresh telling of that very familiar story. So yes, uh, long story short, I think people should watch this film. Yeah. Uh, so there it is, everyone. That's our first one of our unconventional love stories uh, coming in hot at the 1st of February. Um, you know, uh, great. I'm glad you uh, guys made it to this part of the uh, podcast. And yeah. if you have, and if you haven't hit subscribe yet, make sure to do so. We super appreciate it. And of course, leave a rating and review, uh, you know, drop those five stars if you can. It is the way our podcast grows. It's super important. And it only takes you five seconds. You can do it right in the app. You don't even have to like, you don't even do much. You just hit the five stars and be like, man, these guys are cool and then blah and it's done. Easy peasy, you know, uh, like it's done. just that easy. Uh, so, uh, you know, do that for us. 
you know, then we'll get more listeners and maybe then Hank Green and John Green will actually sponsor our, our podcast and we'll get free socks or something. Oh, look at that. Full circle. Yeah. There you go. I'm bring, bringing it back. In, in fair Verona. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, hey, thanks a lot for listening, everyone. We got a lot of crazy episodes uh, coming up. And of course, we have brand new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. So make sure to tune in. Thanks a lot for joining us. And we will see you Sunday.